Greetings, little one. Are you a good witch or a bad witch? Bad witch! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! What makes you think she's a witch? Well, she turned me into a newt! A newt. What's thou like to live deliciously? Got better. Dost thou comprehend? Welcome to Real Magic, the podcast at the crossroads of real witchcraft and Hollywood magic, where paganism and the supernatural meet their reflections in movies and television, and where we talk about what real magical or life lessons we can learn from fictional witches from 100 years of moving pictures. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Hi there, witches and weirdos. Welcome to the Real Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Mason, and I'm excited for you to join me as we talk about another of our favorite pop culture witches. Today, it's Tia Dalma, played by Naomi Harris in the Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End. I'm one of the few people who actually really, really love this movie, so I was really excited when our guest for today suggested this character and to talk about her. And our guest today is Naja Lightfoot, author of Good Juju, Mojo's Rites and Practices for the Magical Soul. Naja Lightfoot is an initiated member of the La Source Etienne Ofuno, a private voodoo society in New Orleans, Louisiana, a sister priestess of the Divine Feminine, and an active member of the Denver pagan community. She keeps her magic strong through the practice of Kung Fu, the folk magic of hoodoo, pagan rituals, and her belief in the mysteries of the universe. She finds inspiration in movies, music, and blue skies of Colorado. Sounds like some of my favorite things there. Naja is also a regular contributor to the end author for the Llewellyn Almanac series and is part of their Spell-A-Day Almanac. She's also just one of my favorite authors and after this lovely chat, just a favorite person in general. And I know I say that about all of our guests, but what can I say? Our guests are awesome and I have a lot of love in my soul. So without further delay, please enjoy our talk with, about Tia Dalma with Naja. You know I live at yours, yes? A man of the sea, a great sea love, until he ran afoul of that which vexed all men. What vexes all men? Mm-hmm. What indeed? Well, the sea sums. The dichotomy of good and evil. A woman. A woman. He fell in love. No, 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 no. I heard it was the sea he fell in love with. Same story, different versions, and all are true. See, it was a woman. As changing and harsh and untamable as the sea. He never stopped loving her. But the pain it caused him was too much to live with. But not enough to cause him to die. So welcome to Ja Lightfoot to the Real Magic Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you, Jess. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, before we dive into our movie, I always like to ask my guests, what What's your favorite witchy movie or magical story growing up that kind of made you believe in magic? Uh, Well, I'm a child of the 60s, so I grew up watching Bewitched and Dark Shadows. 
So between Samantha trying to twitch her nose and, you know, her family and her mom and Dora and all that. And then the wonderful Victorian dark shadows with Barnabas Collins. I had a dark shadows board game. Oh my God. (laughs) I can remember rushing home from school to watch dark shadows on TV and just, just absolutely loved it. So, um, yeah, those were my first, of course, I could never twitch my nose. Um, I can't either. And what's been super cool is watching Bewitched now as an adult, because, you know, you can find it on streaming and stuff. And it's still, it's still really great. Um, and I haven't seen Dark Shadows. I saw Dark Shadows once when we were traveling. And uh, it was so cool just to hear the music and watch the sets and the scenes and Elizabeth and Barnabas and the water so yeah I've been at it since I was a kid just (laughs) I will confess I've never seen dark shadows sadly but I have I did grow up with Nick at night and so it was bewitched was one of my favorites in Dora is I want to be her when I grow up (laughs) she's the ultimate isn't she yeah she's she's wonderful her clothes oh yeah I I mean her gowns you know the eyeshadow and yeah the eyeshadow and she's so unapologetic which I love yeah I love Bewitched and I love the kind of take on it they did recently on WandaVision if you've been watching that on I haven't I don't see I don't have Disney plus so I've not seen WandaVision but I've been following all the stuff about it it's really fun I think that's going to be our next episode fingers crossed as we're going to talk about WandaVision once the season is over and we can geek out about it but nice Today, we are talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels and Tia Dalma specifically. So when I invited you on the show, I asked what movies you'd like to talk about. And you mentioned Eve's Bayou, which I had a wonderful talk about that with Lilith Dorsey a few months ago. And then Tia Dalma from Pirates. And I loved that idea because she's not somebody I would automatically think of, but she's such a great witchy character so what made you want to talk about her why do you love this character oh well I love Disney and I will confess I've I've listened to a few of your shows and (laughs) and heard that you love Disney too and um so I grew up in Southern Cal so I as a child I spent my childhood in Southern Cal so I've been to Disneyland like almost 10 times and Pirates of the Caribbean one of my all-time favorite rides as a child. And so when those movies came out, if you went to Disneyland and you rode the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, you know that there are pieces in the movie that come directly from the ride. And it's like a little nod to all of us who love the Pirates of the Caribbean ride, um, cause that was the ride. And then they did such a good job of turning it into a movie. So um, I was already enchanted with yeah. Pirates and um, I just was thinking about different movies and especially ones with black characters in it. And um, when I first saw Tia Dama come on the screen, I was just like, oh my gosh. I was so enchanted by her. The whole setup, her hair, her clothes, um, the way she talks, you know, who she actually becomes. Um, I just thought it was a great representation on the screen. just to bring that into the large screen and into our magical consciousness that there is this 
wonderful witchy African descendant black woman in the swamp and the pirates and they go see her and she's integral to the story I mean yeah she's, she's pretty not important just, at the end she's, of the- <laughs> she's really important you know for those who haven't seen it all we won't spoil it for them well but, we'll, we'll go into spoilers because okay, that's what we yeah. do okay um, good it's been out for like 15 years so fair yeah. game <laughs> yeah so I just was totally enchanted and one time uh I was in a some kind of thing they did on the internet show yourself younger and show yourself older pick your pictures and so I picked Tia Dama as a young woman and then um Elzora from Ease Bayou Diane Cannon that was me as a young witch me as an old witch because I was like yeah that's my range I wow. thought you were. I thought you were going to say like Tia Dalma as a human for young, and then as like a giant <laughs> ten-story fo- tall pile of crabs. As <laughs> no, that's, that's my witch range. I don't think that's great. I mean, I love the pirates movies. I know we've, you know, unfortunately, as with a lot of things, there's been problematic revelations about Johnny Depp, but I still love so much of his work in the, especially in the middle of his career. And I just love the Pirates movies. I think the first Pirates movie is like a perfect, a perfect action adventure movie. And the second two, I know, like, I love the second two Pirates movies. I know they're very, like, especially in the second, the third one at World's End, the plot is incredibly convoluted, but I've seen it eight times. I can follow it. And (laughs) yeah, we were watching it yesterday again. And my husband and I were both remarking there's so much going on so much going in the on. movies you can watch them and you're like what did you hear what they just said well and you know when you have a disney budget i mean that's you know that's the top of the line so you can their their movies stand the test of time you know and you can go back and we we watch the we sorry it's hard for me to say that word but you know what i'm trying to say yeah and yeah, see um yeah you can see stuff and hear lines from the characters that you didn't even didn't even cross your mind before and like the in terms of just movie magic especially in the second two like the character of davy jones and the way they do the special effects animation you completely forget that this is all cgi motion capture you're like oh they just got an actor who like bill nye just sort of went really method and put us octopus on his face like it's so well done i just love the design on davy jones and that character and Oh, I'll watch yeah. this. I'll watch this with my daughter. She does. She's five. She does not follow the plot. But I'm like, okay, the fish people are bad and the pirates are good, and that's all you need to know. And they're fighting. And I know um, we're like our two. We love the two pirates who become. They're not immortal anymore. The guy whose eyeball pops out, oh, you yeah. know, and then he's always like, "Oh, hello, Poppet," and you're yeah. like, "Oh, Poppet," you know, and just um. All that, the little dog. I mean, I will tell you that the little dog. Have you been to Disneyland? Oh yeah, I'm uh, a big fan of Disney, and I and I love Pirates. One of my favorite rides. Another, also, we took my daughter about a little under two years ago, and we went on Pirates like five times with her because she was so <laughs> fascinated just with the whole concept. And oh yeah, I mean, talk about before their time, and and what an it's a, such an immersive incredible experience I mean especially as a child I mean you just your whole reality is just suspended 
yeah it's so in there and you're like oh okay this is the world now yeah it's so amazing because it is like definitely takes you very slowly into this world because you start going through just the bayou mm-hmm. with the fireflies yeah and eventually you go and then you kind of go down and yeah, suddenly then there's skeletons and then eventually you get to it takes you like five minutes to see like a living pirate yeah and then there's the roller coaster effect yeah. of it right and you're in the little you know, whatever you're sitting in carriage or whatever, that's rocking along while you're going. It's incredible. But I love how they didn't use everything from that ride in the first movie. And so they were able to do take inspiration, especially Mm -hmm. for Tia Dalma and her scene from the ride as well, because they show up uh, in her bayou, her uh, swamp when it's and it's a direct parallel to the entrance to Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride with all the yeah. fireflies. And it's sort of you can just sort of sense that she is in her spirits in the ride, you know, just off screen, just where you can't yeah. see. But and, you know, uh, yeah. to kind of bring us to our our magical aspect of it. You know, I always kind of look at these movies we talk about on here. It's like, are they accurate? Usually, no but are they entertaining and does it get at the spirit of the magic or person that they're trying to portray? Mm -hmm. So obviously like Pirates of the Caribbean, not accurate for pirates, not (laughs) accurate um, for, you know, voodoo, but it does, I think, get at the spirit of it. So before we go into this, like you have background in Wicca and in hoodoo and voodoo. Can you describe some of your background as well as like how you relate to her in terms of your magic? Well, um, first of all, you know, I'm, I'm not Wiccan. Okay. I've Sorry. never been in it. No, that's okay. I've never been initiated Wiccan, um, but I am a practicing witch. So I do, you know, I'm totally immersed in the world of the craft. And then I am a student of hoodoo, practitioner of that, of African-American folk magic. And then I am an, uh, an initiate of a private voodoo society in New Orleans. And so I've um, been on this journey, you know, from just childhood, nature, fantasy, always being attracted to otherworldly things in the spirit, all the way through um, to my magical spirituality. And that's what I call it, that I have a magical spiritual practice. And um, it's a lifelong journey of learning and constantly being open and and deciding like what works, what doesn't, what's real for me. And I always try to come from, you know, what personally works for me. Um, I don't, even though I associate it with different groups or different practices, I always just talk about what works for Naja because it's different for everybody. And that's what's beautiful about the path is that it's so individual and you can use your discernment. And so what I like about that movie is that for one, it captures the spirit and the powerfulness of this black woman in the swamp <laughs> and people come to her for help and she's not scary. And I think that's the main thing that I really have been about on my journey is trying to take off this scary, dark thing about witches and people who practice the craft or people who practice 
voodoo or hoodoo or conjure, um, Hollywood and mainstream society just seems to be so attached to this image of fear and, um, you know, malediction and malevolence. And when I was rewatching the movie last night and they come back to her at the end, she's, she offers a drink against the cold and the sorrow. And it's like, yes, that's what this is about. Like these things that we learn and we practice as students of the occult um, should be used to help people against the cold and the sorrow, against yourself, against life. Um, so um, that's what totally attracted me to her that I was like, wow, somebody, um, really brought the feeling of what I feel like, who I would be, like that would be my house. I would live there. I'm not, I'm not a real big fan of snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I have held a snake once just because I thought I should try it out. Uh, that experience, mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not, I'm, not a, I'm not a snake fan. But, um, you know, I, I thought that they got it. It touched me. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I like snakes, but I'm in a part of the country where snakes will not like kill you if you touch one that's out in the wild. Not so much. That is not true of like the Gulf or the Bayou or like, uh, no. yeah, don't touch snakes in the Gulf or Caribbean. That's bad. Yeah, well, and I had I had a friend and uh, she kept snakes. So um, they were her pets, you know, um, I don't know, I shouldn't say pet, but they were part of her family. <laughs> and so I was just like, well, if I'm ever really going to hold a snake, I guess I'll do it with her because <laughs> she's the snake lady. So I did, but it was weird. It was strange. We have so many different attitudes towards snakes. Like here in Oregon, we only have basically garter snakes and they get pretty big, but I mean, like two two feet so not very big but a while ago I was walking home from work and the guy was walking towards me and he was Indian and he told me like be very careful there is a snake out on that rock over there and I thought I'm like oh it was a garter snake but he comes from a place where the snakes <laughs> will kill you also so that was very logical <laughs> like so everyone's got a different yeah. you know association with that animal and that's yeah. that comes with all animals yeah. But I, you know, as you talked about the way, you know, that magic and especially voodoo and hoodoo and African traditional religions are portrayed on screen and in our culture, just with like witchcraft, there's a lot of baggage and fear. But when you add on to that, the, the baggage of systemic racism and all that, I think it's even worse, the portrayals and negativity that's associated in the culture with voodoo and hoodoo and I like that this is a positive portrayal that doesn't fall into a lot of the old icky tropes yeah I that's that's what I like about it and you know um I mean just from the word witch just talking about when watching bewitched um in this day and age um I happen to notice because I wasn't watching it as a kid, that she, uh, she actually did a lot, had civil rights episodes in her show. Yeah. And that um, Elizabeth Montgomery herself 
was quite involved in civil rights and they worked that in because they have a protest about witches. Witches are people too in the show. And I was like, yeah, even back then, you know, she was like saying, hey, we're people too. And, um, you know, I just think that, you know, people who align with the word witch, I mean, talk about, you know, systemic uh, racism in different ways for different types of people have just been so misjudged for so many centuries. And I definitely try to put a different spin, um, a different look on, on that and embrace the powerful and, and, and that it's a, a helpful thing to people in their lives and doesn't necessarily something to be afraid, even though I think some of that fear is is the fun part of it, what draws people to it because it's, you know, kind of scary and you're not supposed to do it, but you really want to. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, there, and there's definitely being, you know, some fun or empowerment instead of being frightened of the witch, being the thing that people are scared of, yeah. finding that like exploring the scary parts of yourself and right. people are usually just scared of, you know, the people they don't want to have power over them or they don't want to have power in general. <laughs> right, right. So I think, you know, too, though, as um, as this, as our worlds become more mainstream and merged and people have more access to it, I think also, you know, in this age that we live in with the internet, it used to be, you know, you had to go to the library and look up stuff and things weren't so readily available. So there's all kinds of access now. And so it's good to have positive imagery, positive role models for things that deal with the occult, the supernatural, with witchcraft, um, because the visibility now is so much higher than it, than it's ever been. Yeah. It's, everywhere but I love Tia Dalma as a character because also she is not just one of the most powerful characters in the series probably the most powerful <laughs> being that they deal with um, and pretty unambiguously helpful I mean she's sort of tricksy and sort of on her own thing but she's not like of all among all the people in Pirates of the Caribbean, she's not really double-crossing any money as much as everyone else is. And she's also not like a pirate who, you know, murders and... Well, yeah, and she's also in love. Yeah, and she's part of this beautiful love story that's revealed yeah. in the final movie, which is really... That's awesome! Like, you, with a character like that, they're introduced and you think, okay, they're just... Like, <laughs> Sorry. It's all right. That's my big black dog. <laughs> of course, I would have a big black dog. Of course. So she just made herself known. Puppy. <laughs> We've had many puppy guests on the podcast. It's great. <laughs> um, but you would expect that kind of character to just exist to serve the narratives of other people. Yeah. Like she's introduced in Dead Man's Chest to just sort of help jack and everyone along on their quest which yeah. is pretty typical for you know magical or female characters but then there's this like this twist in the third movie in at world's mm -hmm. end where she is integral to the plot and has her own story her own love story and it's really moving and really cool that you wouldn't expect that to happen because usually you know 
female characters or characters of color just sort of exist in these big budget movies to propel the white and usually male main character story yeah well you know and now that we're talking and my mind is really thinking about her um one of the reasons how I got involved with a lot of things in my path is because of my love for Marie Laveau and um she's also another but she was a real woman you know real living breathing woman but Tia Dama um you know a lot of people go to the cemetery to seek her assistance in their aid and she was in her lifetime, um, she was well known for helping the community. Marie and so, Lavoas, and, yeah. Yeah, Marie Lavoas. And so they, in Pirates, they people come to Tia Dama for help. I mean, they're, you know, they need yeah. her assistance and they need her benevolence. And, um, and I thought that that was so wonderful that they, portrayed her that way like oh this is where you go to for help and assistance and you have to you know go with respect and stuff you know because yeah. like when she gives the guy that she gives a uh, uh jack the dirt and she's like oh you don't want it yeah. he's, <laughs> he's like, like no no oh, no I'll, I'll take it i'll take the dirt okay <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, I love that. And I love that you ha- you don't give anything for free with her. You have to definitely come with yes. something to trade. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> the immortal monkey, you know, gets <laughs> it's a good trade. And isn't that one of our tenets? Like mm-hmm. there is supposed to be an exchange, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there should be a magical exchange when you ask for help. Yeah, I like the the jar of dirt. You know, when I first saw these movies, my magical practice and understanding was mainly like limited to Western European, you know, viewpoints. And since then, like I've been trying to, I've been reading a lot more about hoodoo and voodoo and the idea of like dirt as a spell component is actually really prevalent. Oh, yeah. Especially if it's from a cemetery. Exactly. It's just and super so powerful. It's mm-hmm. interesting that they got that in there, even though yeah. for in that in the movie it's just signifying it's part of the land he's taking with it. But like dirt is really useful in Hoodoo. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Yeah, it is. It is. So it's great. She gives him that dirt. You know, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was wonderful. And yeah, it's really fun that. And she's also does some, you know, some bone reading, which mm-hmm. has precedence in all sorts of different cultures. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm now also thinking of the bone reading in Eve's Bayou, which, you know, cat bones, I don't think that's terribly accurate. But, <laughs> but also, like, I'm thinking about Tia Dama as a character and kind of what she represents. Like, on the one hand, she represents, like, how the pirate, like, spoiler alert she's the goddess calypso and she has been it's mm-hmm. she has been tamed by the pirates because davy jones had a love affair with her yeah. and he was sad and so he betrayed yeah. her and yeah. all this sad stuff but she represents on one hand how the pirates and have tamed the seas but on another way that's a really good metaphor for colonialism and also like exploitation of both like the native populations and of the Caribbean and also the way that that whole era was tied in with the Atlantic slave trade. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, it's kind of. Um, but it's very subtextual. Yeah. I mean, I've watched them so many times and I was kind of thinking about that the other day, which I had never attached to it before because I've seen these movies too several, several times. And I own, you know, before it was digital or whatever, I have them on DVD and stuff like that. But it was interesting that just the other day when I was watching them preparing for our show, I started thinking about the middle passage Mm -hmm. and I was like, huh, I never... I never really thought about it that way about her being, you know, part of the middle passage and stuff and all the enslaved African people who died, you know, during the middle passage and jumped into the sea and, and all that stuff just winds its way, you know, all through um, our culture, our, our global humanity, you know, um, so many people have lost their lives at sea, but yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've been watching a lot of Black Sails lately. If you like Pirates of the Caribbean, watch Black Sails. <laughs> Black it's, Sails. I don't know about Black Sails. It's like, it's it's four seasons. It was on Stars. It finished a few years ago, but it's like Game of Thrones meets Pirates of the Caribbean in terms oh. of just, it's very adult. Fair okay. warning. There's a lot of sexual assault in the first season. Oh. Fair warning for people. Who I'm, don't like that. I'm one of those non, it's crazy. I have not, I have... <laughs> I did not watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> I watched one episode of it and I was like, uh, no, not for, you. not for me. But the caveat to that is that at the same time Game of Thrones was running, I was watching True Blood. So <laughs> yeah. I couldn't, I kind of had, you know, my limit of how much I could take, you know, in a really graphic, bloody show and yeah. so I chose to stick with true blood because of course mm-hmm. I just loved true blood black sales is really interesting because it's very much like in the lineage of pirates of the caribbean because it's pirates in the caribbean but it's also functions as a prequel to treasure island like many of the characters are characters from treasure island but there are also real pirates that existed like jack rackham and charles vane and so it's really interesting and there's some very interesting female characters pretty much everyone on the show is pansexual in some way (laughs) there's some really interesting queer love stories on the show so it's really interesting but the way that they kind of deal with sort of the specter of the Atlantic slave trade in that show is really interesting because like at one point they you know pirates board a ship and they find out the cargo is people and you know their practice for pirates usually was if they found sometimes they would resell the slaves or they would let them join the crew. And that's also in the Pirates of the Caribbean. They very, very briefly allude to this with Jack Sparrow, but this is sort of from the supplemental materials with him, the way Jack in some YA novel, like the way he became a pirate, the first, you know, ship he stole and liberated was a slave ship and so they make a reference in one of his movies to like the the bad British guy uh, says, you know, you, you cost me a lot of cargo. And Jack says, that wasn't cargo, that was people. <laughs> and so yeah. they do kind of huh. allude to that in these movies, but not very much. Well, but it that's is interesting. interesting. That's interesting you bring that up about that pirate creed, because that makes me remember I did one time our Natural History Museum had an exhibit on pirates. And I went to see it. And I, that's when I learned that too, that sometimes they would, if they, you know, captured a ship, 
and it was filled with enslaved people, they would offer them to be part of the crew. They could become part of the crew. They could be pirates, yeah. you know, and, you know, so I, I didn't know that before that either. One of the things they don't quite get into in pirates, but they do get into a lot in black sails is how democratic pirates were. Yeah. Like, yeah, you, you weren't captain just by being captain, you were voted to be captain. And if you yeah. did a bad job as being captain, you got voted off. Yeah. They had a hierarchy, a structure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was, and you like they had injury payments to you know if a pirate right. got injured. Yes, it was I learned really that progressive. too. It was. It was a society, a real society. And they were sort of you know democratic and progressive in a way that the colonial powers that were controlling the oceans at the time were not. So there was a very interesting how progressive the pirates were and so of course, of course they'd have a friend who was you know a voodoo priestess person <laughs> practitioner whatever tia dalma is i don't think they i don't think they ever use the word voodoo at all no i never hear them say that and i never hear them they don't refer to her as a witch they don't mm-hmm. they don't say voodoo they don't say voodoo which i love yeah. she is not labeled she just shows up as a character in the movie and she's part of the story. And to me, that's just the best. Like it wasn't, it's not like, oh, well, let's take you over here and let's let you think about who this character is. She's just part of the story. She goes with the story and they don't like try to pigeonhole her into this thing, which is super great. Yeah. And I, I really, I really love that because she could be anybody. She can be whatever you want it to be. And that's you know, one of the things I love about the Pirates movies, they, they let your mind decide what it is you're looking at. And, and it changes depending upon where you are when you're yeah. watching it, you know, what you focus on. Against the cold and the sorrow. It's a shame. I know you're thinking that with the bird, you could have captured the devil and set free your father's soul. Doesn't matter now. The pearl's gone. Along with its captain. Aye. And already the world seems a bit less bright. You fooled us all right till the end. But I guess that honest streak finally won out. To Jack Sparrow. Never another lot, Captain Jack. I love that the idea of her as basically a hidden goddess, because that's something mm-hmm. I think about a lot with these magical women, especially in fantasy movies, where they're more than just like witches or sorceresses they're very much like goddesses hidden in plain yeah. sight especially in some of their like archetypes and so the fact that she is revealed to really be a goddess at the end yes. who was of course you know screwed over by shitty men which is just like the story like all of history and then she kind of comes and gets her revenge there and yeah. you know it and it, it ends her wrath against these men is resolved by the love story kind of resolving with Davy Jones falling to his death yeah, with her. With her. And so, but I love like the idea of the hidden goddess in so many 
different things and you can see that in just so many different especially fantasy movies like yeah Lord of the Rings I think Galadriel is kind of very goddessy okay now I absolutely love Lord of the Rings but I can't who is Galadriel Kate Blanchett the elf okay. queen oh okay yeah, yeah. all in white all yeah. in white okay and like the okay. moment where the the Galadriel's mirror scene where in Fellowship of the Rings where Frodo offers her the ring and she becomes absolutely terrifying oh yeah like yeah. that's like yeah that's a lot of goddesses that you sometimes yeah. you work with that that all shall love me in despair has some very like strong like yeah dark goddess energy there now my favorite woman in Lord of the Rings is um the daughter no, the, the, the niece who's oh, the Eowyn. shield mate, Eowyn, the shield maiden of Rohan. When she, in that fight scene where she takes out the dragon beast guy and she throws her helmet off and says, I am no man. Oh my gosh. And when she says, if you touch him, I will kill you. And then they're like, oh, you can't kill me. That, I, I live for it. I, I never get tired of that. I just here she is in this battlefield and she stands up and it's her who slays you know slays the beast yeah. whatever those name whatever those the nazgul the nazgul yeah. thank you that's a super yeah, i nerd, love the I... sound i love all the chomping and grunting and war scenes in lord of the rings but that's my favorite favorite part it's is her in that battlefield when she takes off her helmet and says that i'm getting close to our uh yearly rewatch of lord of the rings like we'll just take a day and watch all three of extended editions and just stay in bed and just relax and watch lord of the rings and it's just oh i love it yeah i did it you know i did it i found myself in the lord of the rings marathon um during you know this early part of the pandemic it was really healing for me i needed to go into that world of struggle in fellowship and redemption yeah the idea of like lord of the rings that there's always like the shadow will pass even when it's very dark and it's small sometimes literally little people who can make a difference in the world i love it so yeah i always think it goes it it could have ended for me when they all I don't know which movie it is, the third, when they all show up around the bed, I'm like, okay, that could have ended. So now that I've seen it, you know, 10,000 times, you know, (laughs) I just shut it off after that. Because it does end 18 times. Yeah, yeah, it does end 18 times. (laughs) But yeah, back to Pirates, which is sort of the same era. Like, I do love these movies a lot. And like now, like the more I think about it, I'm like, you know, there were like definitely a lot of like anti-corporate and anti-colonialist messages. Like the first Pirates is all about like the curse is because they took this Aztec gold because the conquistadors were horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, there's this wonderful film on uh, Netflix. It's animated. It's called Pachamama, Papa Mama. No, no. Oh, it's so great. It's totally animated and it's made for children, but it's about the Spanish Spanish conquistadors who go to the Aztecs, to the Incas and steal their gold. And it's so well done. I think it won several awards. It's Pachamama. And uh, it tells that story before 
like what you're talking about because they stole yeah. the gold and they shouldn't have taken it you yeah mm-hmm. i was listening to a it was not a podcast it was a youtube video about the legend of el dorado and how that came about where there was a south american tribe that gold had no like monetary value for Mm -hmm. them it was just decorative because gold is actually not very useful except as decoration Mm -hmm. but they would literally paint one of their like new chieftains paint him with like gold and then rinse him out and then throw a bunch of gold into this lake and so this lake that they used for hundreds of years was full of gold but and you know the conquistadors got a little bit out but no there must be a whole city of gold somewhere and all the indigenous people like oh yeah yeah it's right down right down that way you go over there try and find el dorado good luck white people and and we all die um but do you what else do you think about going back to tia dalma how do you think she fits into sort of the history especially of portraying black magical practitioners on the screen because it's a very short list, unfortunately. I was just gonna say, I don't know like, what list she fits in. I'm like, she's she's in her own category. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess. I mean, if I got to draw up people, I told you my favorite was her, and then there's Elzora, Diane Carroll, bless her heart, rest her soul, um, and Eve's Bayou, who's just phenomenal. And I grew up watching Diane Carroll, so. Um, you know, she made history. Um, she was living history. Um, and then to see her in that movie, to see her dressed up like that with her yeah. face painted all white, I was like, yeah, this is great. I mean, she's famous for so many things, but what do I love her for? That character, because I grew up with her. Uh, you know, um, I guess there's Lena Horn in The Wiz um, when she's the Black Glinda. I guess you could call her, you know, about, you know, Rachel positive. True and the craft and Rachel True and the craft, I guess, I, you know, yeah. so she's you know. not really <laughs> like, she doesn't get to really yeah. inhabit yeah, her space. She's so part black. of the group. Right. Right. But she's, yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's hard. I mean, it's I hard. don't really have, I'm trying to think the, those are, I know there's Angel Heart, which is sort of a movie I have not seen. I love Angel. You've never seen it? I've never seen it. You'll have to come back and talk about it. I'll have to watch it. Oh, Oh, Evangeline Proudfoot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Lisa, Lisa Bonet. Yes. That, no, that's quite a film. Yeah. I've seen like clips, but I have not seen it yet. Yeah, she she's she's very good. It's 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 intense. It's intense. Yes, and then I we do get like like, like Le Murray Laveau as a character in American Horror Story Coven. I was not a fan of that. I know I, I don't know many people who mm-mm, were. <laughs> mm-mm. I was like, what? No. No, that's, I'm not that's generally not a fan me. of Brian Murphy. Sorry. To say. So I, you know, I, I, I think I watched the first episode of American, what is it, horror? American Story? Horror Story. Yeah. Yeah, and then I, you know, when they said they were doing the Marie Laveau story thing, I turned it on and watched it, and I went, oh no. Okay, we, we, we lost our way again, but 
that's all right. <laughs> so how do you feel like there's a lot of dialogue, in, especially in the pagan community right now, about cultural appropriation and what it is appropriate for different people to appreciate or practice or integrate into their practices. You know, in this case of this movie, we have a pretty awesome Black character and a Black, you know, magic character, not Black, black magic, but, you know, magical character who is Black. <laughs> but it is a movie made you know mainly starring white people made by white directors white writers mm -hmm. and so there is an element there of like is that count as appropriation should they have done better research and there's so much dialogue right now about what is a closed practice what isn't what is okay for you know spoiler alert I'm white what is okay for somebody like me to integrate into their practice and how can we be respectful about that in terms of ATR and those sort of practices because there's a difference between like an initiative initiatory practice like voodoo organizations and then there's hoodoo which is more of like a folk magic it's all very confusing for me and I never want to like offend anyone uh well you know I have a really hard time with this subject oh sorry um, people you know have asked me so much about it and I just I have a really hard time with it um and I, I don't think that my opinions and my experiences fall in with what the mainstream people want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I speak cautiously around it um, based on my experiences. Um, so for me, um, you know, first... I truly believe that occult knowledge, if that's what you choose to, call, choose to call it, lies in the hands of the universe. It doesn't belong to anybody, nobody owns it. And the things that we practice and learn have been around since the beginning of time. But what we do have to find is people to teach us, to seek from, because we can't find it on our own. You can only get so far on your own, yeah. and then you have to have a teacher at some point. Now, what I fall into is the disrespect. Um, I think there's a lot of disrespect going on in the community, in the world for all types of religions, all types of practices, where they come from. I think people don't have to work as hard anymore to learn. Mm -hmm. And so they go out and they grab practices and they start talking about things and wanting to do things and they don't know the history. They don't respect the people who have come before them. And that's really what kind of gets on my nerves is there's no respect for the people who came before them so that they could learn these practices. Um, hoodoo is a folk magic. It's African-American folk magic, but it's based on, it's like a gumbo. All these different people, mainly in the South of the United States and enslaved Africans who came and brought their traditions and then had to assimilate, amalgamate, hide, whatever, Voodoo is a religion, it requires initiation, just like there are degrees of witchcraft, if you decide to go that route where you have to be initiated, <laughs> if you wanna get any further in it. And I know there's a lot of flack about that, but I look, go back to mainstream organized religions, 
you're serious about that path, you have to be baptized or you have to take classes or you have to study. You should read the Bible or you have to read the Bible or whatever. (laughs) You got to go to Hebrew school. You know, you just, you have to work for it. You have to learn. You have to make a commitment. And so it's the same thing. You know, if I'm going to be about a practice, especially something that's outside myself. And just because I'm a black African-American woman, I don't have any special door open to me to study voodoo or hoodoo or witchcraft. I have to work for it. Yeah. I have to find people to teach me. I have to, uh, I'm not, to use the old word, um, hereditary. There's nobody in my family that I sat at their knee and they passed this information down to me. It's, it's actually quite the opposite. So um, you need to be respectful. And I think when you come with respect and appreciation for those who came before you with what you're trying to study, then you can feel sincere in your practices. But if you don't acknowledge those who came before you and where you got this information from and how you're incorporating it into your real life, then you've stepped off on the wrong foot. Yeah. You have to be aware of your ancestors, yep. your literal ancestors, but also like your spiritual ancestors and the right. ancestors of any tradition that you are, you know, learning from or appreciating. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, for a long time, I love the Ren Fair. I mean, we're talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. One of the things I yeah. love about Tia Dalma is her dress. Oh yeah. It's fabulous. Oh gosh, her <laughs> outfit is fabulous. So here in Colorado, we have the Colorado Ren Fair, which I've gone to for 30 years. I have so much Ren Fair garb. It's ridiculous. Oh, I miss Ren Fair so much. Oh my gosh. I mean, you, I'm, I'm like dressed head to toe. I have custom dresses. But for a long time, I was like, why am I drawn to this? This is so weird. Why do I love this medieval? I don't see... Black people, African-American, I don't see us in this realm or nothing, but it's because history isn't told correctly. History is told by those who are telling it. And um, I got my DNA done. I got my ancestry DNA done. I was shocked. Of course, we understand slavery. Mm -hmm. We know where our ancestry comes from. But I was shocked to find out that I had 30% European DNA mostly from Ireland. And I was like, oh, well, (laughs) no wonder I started out with the Celtic goddesses. And I've been to London. We've been blessed to go to Europe twice, got to London, felt just totally at home. Like, oh, I, I lived here before. I had someone ask me for directions and the Paddington train station was the best day of my life. I just rode the tube. Like I had walked those streets forever. And I was like, why is this so familiar to me? Cause it's in my DNA. Um, you know, that's part of my bloodline. So yeah, you feel called. Sometimes we feel called to things that we don't really understand why. But when you find out why, you know, then you can say, oh, well, this speaks to me so yeah. respectfully. I, I did my ancestry DNA a few years ago and it's just like, oh, I'm just really white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's all like, it's French, Scottish, English, Irish, like just that's it. There was like 1% Puerto Rican indigenous in there somewhere. I don't know where that came from, 
but <laughs> well everyone like asked me like you know Lightfoot. I'm like that's a British name yeah it's an English name mm-hmm. yeah and it was spelled you can look go back to L-Y-T-E Lightfoot mm-hmm. like yeah that's yeah. a European name we know how we got them <laughs> so yeah you know there are traces of our global culture through all of us yeah and stories and faith and magic it evolves with us with humanity it's not a static thing that's always it's always changing it's always changing that's you know something I like to talk about a lot a lot excuse me that's why they call it the craft it's Mm -hmm. a living breathing art you should be practicing it growing with it evolving with it you know seeing what works for you what doesn't um you know, it's not a static thing, like to use your word. I like that. No, it's not static at all. The way I've been thinking about it a lot lately, especially as there are so many of these conversations about cultural appropriation, respectful working with other cultures and deities and practices, is it's a lot like cooking. It is like your witchcraft, your, it is a skill that you need to practice And sometimes you're going to be drawn maybe to an ingredient that you don't know, and you just can't throw it into your food willy-nilly. And especially you shouldn't, you know, open up a restaurant for a cuisine that you just learned to cook off the internet. (laughs) That is not your I think it's more like you shouldn't just walk up in somebody's kitchen and start cooking. Exactly. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Would you just walk up into my house and say, hey, let me just cook this ingredient. Let me cook this on your stove and then go, yeah, I did that. That's so offensive. Don't you yeah. can just walk up in my kitchen. Oh. You know, you need to be invited into my kitchen. You should ask to be coming to my kitchen. Should we share some recipes together? Let's talk about the food we want to make together. Do you know me? Do I know you? I mean, just like I wouldn't walk up into somebody's house and just start cooking in their kitchen. I don't care who they are. And, um, you know, in the climate that we live in, I think that's something that, you know, we've all been through over these past several years is the lack of respect for people, Mm -hmm. period. You know, like, please, and thank you, and may I, and I appreciate that, and thank you for sharing that, or it's really cool to know, or you know, it's, let's just take and use it for our own gain that it doesn't work. And the spirits don't like it either. So, you know, you can mess around with stuff all you want to (laughs) do it respectfully. They'll let you know on, on, on any, um, occult witchcraft, hoodoo, hoodoo. I don't know what other, you know, practices start messing around with a big ego that you think you're all that with what you're trying to do and see what happens yeah then you'll learn good luck with that yeah sometimes you do Mm -hmm. have to learn that way and that's what having to practice is too because if you're really practicing if you're working at it you're going to run up against those things and then you'll learn and then you'll go, okay, that wasn't right for me to do. But everybody just wants to be spoon fed now. Well, what should I do? What should I not do? Well, what have you done? Are you doing any work? Do you actually do spells? Do you actually get out there underneath the moon in nature circle? When's the last time you said a spell, cast a spell? Or are you just like 
spewing out stuff. Because if you're working and practicing and doing magic, you're going to have experiences where you won't have to keep asking what's right for me to do because you will have done it and then you'll know. Yeah. One of the, it's one of the things I really appreciate about, I haven't mentioned it so far in the podcast, but we have to plug it at your book, which is called Good Juju. And I love that it is both like, it is gentle and open, but also respectful. And it's got so many different things in it that just feel like, oh, these are really nice things that are easy to integrate into your life very easily, but also more steps you can take. And I'd love your tone in that book. It's just oh, so welcoming and loving. And I'm like, oh, this, uh, yeah, this does feel like I do feel, cause there's a lot of hoodoo things pers- personally for me that I'm very self-conscious about integrating into my practice. Cause I'm like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that, yeah. but with your writing, it feels like, okay, that just says that this is a good idea. <laughs> no, job, well, sorry. Thank, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, well, thank you. I appreciate that is my intention. I mean, I, I, I want people to be feel, feel welcomed and, and, and try, try stuff. I mean, that's, that's part of it. That's, it's fun. It's, a tasting awesome. food. <laughs> it, it's tasting food from your kitchen being like, yeah, oh, I like exactly. this flavor. Try this, you know, and then go home and see how you like it. I mean, that's part of the path too. Like it should be fun too. It should make you a little nervous. I mean, all this stuff that I write about, I do. So, um, you know, I write from my own personal experience and, you know, I've had my hiccups and fall downs and, 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 whoa, that didn't really go the way I, geez, that took a long, long time. Yeah. It's three o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Okay. But, um, you know, um, I do want it to be welcoming because I feel like who we are and what we know and what has been in us for forever um, as people of the occult, women, practitioners, people who practice hoodoo, the craft, um, our religions is, is necessary and helpful and can be helpful to people if it's shared in a way that's welcoming. And yeah. I think the planet, I mean, our mother earth, she, she's never forgotten that. And we haven't forgotten it. That's why we are the people that we are. You know, we're children of the earth, of nature. And um, and we have to keep it going. I mean, that's the other thing. I don't want to see it, you know, go away. I don't, I don't, I think it's good that it's coming out more. It's a living, vital practice. Yeah. And we should definitely, when people are interested in and exploring these practices, we should give time and our time and money and attention to people who are from these practices I think like read black authors when you're reading about these things (laughs) read people who know what they're talking about yeah Yeah. it's it's good I mean the information is there um and I think that you know back again the internet now you can pretty much look up a lot of things you have access to people groups, situations, experiences. But I also want to say that just because someone, you know, comes from that certain group or skin color doesn't mean that they're the right person either. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's true. <laughs> no, it's I'm not a, a free pass. I, I, I try to keep it real. Yeah. You know, and I talked about that in my in my book, in Good Juju. They have a chapter on be your own tree. You know, mm. 
you need to use discernment. You know, there are a lot of groups, a lot of places now where you can just slip into and, oh, sure, because so-and-so is this, that, and the other. They have this, that pedigree, or they look this way that they're the right teacher for you to learn this thing. Well, they may not be, you know, and that's prevalent through the ages. Just because somebody wears the shiny, you know, Mm -hmm. accoutrements, whatever, you should check it out. Yeah. And I always, I always tell people, you know, follow your gut. Yeah. I mean, cause when you're a student and you're a seeker and I say this from experience and you want to learn and you're sincere, you open, you know, you become vulnerable. And then with all the climate that we're in, you want to be super respectful too. Yeah. So you're, you're really kind of shutting down your discernment, but always use discernment because <laughs> there are unsavory people in the world. Let's just put it that way. I mean, one of the things that I like about my practices is that it keeps it real. Shitty things happen. People get taken advantage of. And so you should use that, you know, whoever you decide to study with or learn from, you know, check them out. And in my book, um, you know, pre-COVID, I would say if you're hooking up with people online or studying something, find a way at some point to meet that person in person. And now, you know, Zoom, get on their Zoom yeah. group and see like, oh, <laughs> well, wow, you look pretty good just in text, you know, and in yeah. a photo, but now talking to you like, what? maybe that's not the yeah. right person for me to be studying with. Yeah. And then, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Always follow mm-hmm. your, your gut knows. Yeah, yes. your gut knows. Your gut knows. Yeah. Well, for people who are looking for you online or to find more of your work, where can we look to follow you and support you? Oh, well, you know, I'm all over social media. I'm living mostly now on Instagram, but I'm on Twitter a lot because that's how you and I met. Yay, so you can find me at Najala Lightfoot on Twitter and on Instagram. And I just started posting videos on my YouTube channel. Yay. I have a YouTube channel. I'm so excited. I'm published in Llewellyn's 2021 Spell a Day Almanac. And so for all the spells I wrote for this year, I'm doing a video for them. Oh, that's so cool. So yeah, that's going really great. So look me up there and um, I will tell everybody I'm working on the second book in the Good Juju series. So yeah, that um, we're in the throes of revisions. Oh, fun stuff. (laughs) Yeah, that'll that'll show you what kind of writer you are. Oh God. (laughs) Go through revisions. Yeah, that's a whole nother program, right? Yeah, the, the, the real shadow work is yes, revisions. From the real shadow. You meet your inner demon. Uh, your pages, they laugh at you. They, oh. they, they, they bleed red. It's like, they bleed it's like, red. It's like a haunted house. I know, I know. And then you tiptoe in and you're like, ah, oh, I just want to, uh, can I like turn the, they just stand there in the corner mm-hmm. and stare at you. And you're like, Oh my gosh. So that's where I am. And it's going to be um, a step beyond good juju mojo's rights and practices for the magical soul. So I will just say that um, we get to go deeper. So I'm very oh, excited. I'm very excited because I love the first book. It's wonderful oh, and highly recommend it. You can buy it anywhere books are sold. Yeah. It's from Llewellyn, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Very cool. 
And it's been wonderful to have you. Thank you so much for coming and thank talking you. about one of my favorite movie series. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Um, I really enjoyed it. And there you have it. That was a wonderful talk with Naja. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We will be back in two weeks with a new episode about WandaVision. I'm so excited. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can email us at realmagicpod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at realmagicpod. Or follow me at fangirlingjess or look for my work on Mary Sue. So say hi. And just remember, it's all more guidelines than an actual code. Goodbye. Bye bye. Goodbye, cruel world. Bye bye, cruel world. <laughs> goodbye to life. Bye bye. bye. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye to all that. All that. <laughs>